Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station. And or FM translator. Good morning, my friends. How are you today? Oof. Welcome to it. Hump day, middle of the week. And yes, it is, in fact, Alaska Day. Uh, celebratory of the purchase of the state of Alaska, or what was then just the territory of Alaska, from Russia. And here we go today. We're going to talk about that and some other things as well. Uh, we've got some headlines, and I gotta be honest with you, I'm I'm gonna be a little savage today. All right, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna kind of plop it out there and uh, tell you what I feel about some of these things. It is probably gonna be some hot takes that are not gonna necessarily be popular with anybody, <laughs> just anybody at this point. So anyway, it's um. It's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting uh, here to talk today uh, in hour one as we go through a whole bunch of headlines and discussions and talking points. And then in hour two, we're going to be joined by State Senator Mike Shower, who will come on for what we lovingly call the shower hour of power. Um, where he just comes on and we're going to riff about, well, whatever comes to mind. I'm sure that there'll be. I'm sure we'll be talking about uh, <clears throat> something. Um, it'll be it'll be fun. Um, we'll be uh, we'll be coming in and uh, and just just chatting for the full hour in hour two today. And so hopefully we can uh, we can uh, we can enjoy we can enjoy ourselves enjoy ourselves. A uh, little brisk this morning, 34, 35 degrees here at the old. Uh, uh, undisclosed secret radio ranch, and um, I'm hoping that you guys are staying, staying warm. I guess frost on the pumpkin. Somebody says here. Rick says in the chat room uh, down the road from me. So a little cooler, a little cooler, but hey, no snow overnight. As we're going on here, as I've been talking about for the last couple weeks, my prayer, <clears throat> and I'm hoping you all are praying with me here, that uh, down in my area we don't get snow. <laughs> we. We don't get snow until Halloween. That's what I'm asking. I mean, I don't ask for much in this world, but I'm doing the uh, I'm doing the anti snow dance for at least the next uh, 10, 12 days. That you know, then it could snow all at once. I'm just saying. I just I wanted. It was such a horrible summer. <clears throat> I mean, I mean, first of all, I guess let me just clarify. Uh, anytime. That you get some green and it's nice e without snow, even if it's raining, is is pretty nice. Don't get me wrong. But overall, in the scheme of things, this summer was pretty horrific, you know. I don't know, what did we have, 20 days of sunshine, 25 days of sunshine out of 100 and something days? 
it was pretty brutal. I, you know, you have to, you have to say that it was pretty brutal. So, uh, I'm just asking uh, that, uh, I get just a little bit more of that fall. I love the fall. I love the fall, uh, as much as I love the spring. And, uh, we just want it to last just a little bit. That is one of the benefits, by the way, for those of you folks up in the interior, uh, being born and raised up in the interior, uh, and understanding that fall takes about three weeks. Uh, it sure is nice to have six, eight weeks, nine weeks of fall where it just kind of stretches it out a little bit more and you get to see the leaves turning and they fall off instead of just, you know, <laughs> it turned brown one day, the next day, snowfall. You know, that's that's what it is. Uh, Debbie says that Fairbanks has new snow. They had rainy snow last night and it turned into snow and it's a bit slick out. So be careful out there this morning as you're traversing the roads up in the interior 30 degrees at the Kenai Airport today. So, I mean, this is what happened. We're covering a whole big chunk of the state, um, you know, and uh, so wherever you are, I hope it's the weather you want wherever you are. I am just personally asking for just a little bit of a reprieve. <clears throat> Can somebody please petition the warden for just a little bit of a reprieve before we get to it here? All right. Well, my friends, what have we got going on here as far as headlines? Well, we got a bunch of different headlines, and I'm going to throw them all. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw them all here at the wall. Now, there are a few. There's uh, three stories in particular that um, I'm not going to be popular by the time this is over today. I, but I just I got to speak my mind. I just read these stories and I just wanted to throttle somebody by the time I was done reading these stories. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, one is a story about Alaska Day. The other is a story about the new ethics rules that have been regulations that have been drafted uh, by the uh, by the attorney general or approved by the attorney general. And then another story about uh, Talkeetna residents and a dispute over lake access. We're going to talk about those three stories here in a little bit. It is Alaska Day, which is the first thing that I said here when we got started. But I got, well, I got some things to say about that. Um, and then, of course, I got a plethora of other stories that uh, I want to talk about as well. Uh, and um, we'll just, we'll kind of see where the day leads us, shall we? Um and some fun stories. I, I actually have a kind of a cool kind of a if you're a if you're a bit of a a nerd. Ooh, is that good? Is that a good? It's that's a good that's a good word. If you're kind of a nerd like I am, uh, I got kind of a cool story here for you as well. Um, so it'll be um, it it's uh, it's it's good. We'll we'll just keep uh, <clears throat> we will just keep on rolling. All right. So, um, uh, well, I mean, I get and I got some good news. I, I also have some good news. So what should we, should we start with the good news or should we, should we hold the good news for the end? I say we hold the nerd and the good news for the end. How about that? Because, you know, after I get all ranty, I'm sure that I will want to come down. I'm going to need to talk myself off the ledge after I do all this stuff. So we'll, we'll talk about. Let me pull these stories together. I'm grouping these stories up, so here we can go. We'll get it done. Well, down in Anchorage, um, you know, this homelessness problem in Anchorage is just, it's unrelenting. It's just, it's ongoing. It's unrelenting. Uh, there has been just this horrific uh, continuing problem. Uh, it's just gotten worse over the course of, uh, um, over the course of uh, the last 
you know, especially the last two or three years. It's just continued to to get worse. Um, there was a story this morning in the uh, in the ADN talking about the number of deaths in Anchorage amongst the homeless. Uh, Michelle Terrio Boots has uh, written a story uh, in the ADN talking about the number uh, that have come in. A staggering 43 people believed to be homeless have died outdoors in Anchorage this year. Um, and it still has got two and a half months left of winter to go for the 2023 year. And that's approaching double the number of outdoor deaths from the previous year, which was also a record. 24 people died outside as homeless last year, and they called that a failure of the system. This year, that same 24th death was recorded back in June. So the number of deaths has uh, just, uh, I mean, it's just, it's, it's just crazy. Just what's going on. Um, they, uh, they talk about the, you know, the, the trend and the track record, um, back in 2017, they had 19 deaths. They had 16 deaths in 2018. They had nine in 2019, 16 in 2020. And then of course that record, uh, 29 or 24 in, uh, 2022. It, it, I mean, it's just, it, it's 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 horrible. I mean, it is absolutely I feel absolutely horrible for people who can't, you know, who who have who found themselves in this situation and who can't seem to climb out of this situation. As we've talked about on this program in the past, um, uh, there is no easy one word tweetable solution for homelessness. Homelessness is a just a massive problem. Um, uh, we've talked about everything from the mental health component of it to the substance abuse component of it to the, you know, just the down and out and what support systems are needed. And, and I just don't know if there is a, I just, I don't think that there is an easy answer to this by any strange stretch of the imagination. And many of you may say, well, I don't care. I mean, you don't say I don't care. That seems heartless. But you're just like, this doesn't affect me. This is Anchorage. But see, Anchorage has kind of become the hub for this whole thing because they are a hub city for all the rest of the state, whether it's by roads or by air. People seem to congregate down here. It's a little easier in the winter here than it is in, say, up north in the Fairbanks area or anything else. But it is. Um, I mean, it's a it's a tough situation, and the and the homelessness population has just increased. And in some, I mean, I think really, if you look back at it on a, if there was a, a hockey a swoop chart or whatever that Brad was talking about yesterday on homeless, I think you'd see the the increase would be again quite a large swoop in the end. And the Anchorage uh, municipality, the city has tried to put together some plans. The Sullivan Arena situation was kind of disastrous, and that cost, oh, man, so much money. They uh, they poured the COVID money. I mean, it was millions and tens of millions of dollars. Um, and when the Sullivan Arena was finally vacated, um, they've had to do tens of millions of dollars of repairs to the building because it was, it, it, you know, it was just horrific. So they have a new plan, and the new plan included uh, moving people out of the homeless camps here uh, down in the South Central in the Anchorage area into hotel rooms. They had two hotels, the Aviator Hotel and the Alex Hotel. 
And part of the plan was to create these shelters there and these hotel rooms for these people. But it turns out there's not good, there's still not enough space, still not enough space. Uh, on Monday, the city began moving people from homeless camps to hotel rooms in both the Aviator and the Alex. And by midday Tuesday, the homelessness coordinator, Alexis Johnson, said about 35 percent of the beds available had already been filled. Uh, she said the Alex Hotel, which has fewer rooms, will likely be full by Wednesday. This is according to a new story from KTUU. Um, Johnson said the bed space is uh, still available. We'll go to people whose names are on the pre-registered list. She said the list has a total of 600 names, meaning more than 200 won't likely get a hotel bed because they don't have enough space for the because they only had 374 spaces to begin with. Uh, in the text message, Johnson said the city is still working on shelter implementation and will reevaluate shelter space in the coming weeks. According to her, the city still plans to open a congregate shelter, which is like a open room, you know, like a full at the old Solid Waste Services Administration building. They just they just moved. The Solid Waste Services just moved into a new facility and the old one is like is up. And so likely next week it'll be ready with a maximum of 150 beds. So you'll get another, that still leaves you 50 short. It's still, it's still just a horrific problem. Um, and of course, uh, on top of that, when they live outside, you've got the neighborhood issues and the crime. Um, I've had some conversations this summer that just kind of blew my mind with with clients, with businesses and, and property owners who live uh, in some of the areas where these homeless camps have popped up. And I, you know, I, God, I wish I just had a magic wand and could figure out how to make all this work. It, it just, it really, it blows my mind and breaks my heart. Um, I mean, there's just nothing more disturbing than driving down the road. This happened to me this summer, driving down the road on a busy street and seeing some woman, obviously homeless, wandering down the side of the sidewalk with her pants down around her knees. And I mean, just buck, buck ass naked from the waist down, just stumbling around on the sidewalk with no, I mean, I just, I, it's, I feel so bad. I don't even, I, what do you do? I don't know. I don't have an answer. That's the most frustrating thing. I don't have an answer. Again, there's a component of mental health here. There's a component in some cases of substance abuse, there's a, there's, you know, there should be some kind of safety net for people, but at the same time, you don't want to enable the same situation and keep them in that homelessness situation. And, you know, we see what happened in Seattle. We see what look, what we see what Los Angeles looks like. We definitely don't want to try those models. You know, Austin has had some success other, you know, it's, but there just is no great solution to this. And in the meanwhile, millions of dollars are being consumed trying to figure this out. And you you want to be compassionate and you want to, but at the same time, like I said, you don't want to enable this same behavior and to keep them there, keep them comfortable in this situation. You want them to be able to bootstrap themselves up with some help to a new position, to a new look, to a new life. But this, this is, it's, you know, it's tough. Here we're going to go into another winter. We have the highest number of deaths 
in the South Central in Anchorage, you know, the highest number of deaths for outdoor deaths. And now they're saying they're not going to have enough space for all these people. And what do we do? I don't know. That's the that's the worst part. Just no, no solid answers. As I've said in the past, I think we need to look at places that have done a good job with this. Reason Magazine had a video essay on this here a couple months ago that I recommended that talks about three cities that have been dealing with this and have had some success. And maybe we should take a look at that. It's tiny house things and some other situations. Anyway, that's the beginning of the news. We're going to continue on here in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. Mike Shower coming up in hour two. suppository the michael duke show okay um good morning good morning it's great to stay up late good morning good morning to you what's my line um sorry it's an indication of a misspent youth right there Anybody, can anybody mention, now mom mom and dad can't answer that. Anybody, can anybody name that? Anybody name that from, what is that from? Can anybody name what that song is from? Just curious. Uh, Good morning, good morning, good morning. Horrible summer, last winter, late winter, last fall, crap weather for a year. Okay. Uh, Muddy Mexican Homer, hope for a stretch of drying, says Greg. Yes. Uh, Good morning. Good morning, good morning. I remember one summer years ago, rained all but two days. The second day I said to heck with it, played hooky from work and enjoyed the sun, said Terry. I actually left work early one day when it was really sunny. I left about two hours early and said, you know what? I just need a, I just drove around with the sun in my face because it felt so good. Um, failure of what system, says Terry? Anchorage doesn't have a system. I mean, this is a this this is a this is a, a this is not just an anchorage problem. This is a problem across the country. But you're right. I mean, there's no real, you know. Um Here's my spiel about the outdoor deaths, said Jeannie. It's not about the outdoors, it's a lifestyle thing. Unless the death certificate says exposure, the cause and manner needs to be looked at case by case before the alarmists set their hair on fire. I mean, I agree with that. I've just <laughs> I mean, again, you know, um, good morning, good morning, good morning. Um, and like just about every other contractor in town, I'm 20 minutes late, says Anthony. You're fired. No, just kidding. Um, Brian just said, what? Uh, Greg just said he heard that Lake City Armory is not going to make green tip for civilians any longer. Well, I mean, when is green, when has Lake City really been about us? When has Lake City ever been about civilians? That's just been... <laughs> right? I mean, am I right? Uh, all right. Um, what's the matter? <laughs> okay. That's all right. Here we go. Uh, good morning, good morning, good morning. Um... They, if they don't, Terry says, if they don't have the will to help themselves, it's hard to help them. I mean, that's part of the problem. 
I mean, part of the problem is some of them don't really want help, really. And that is part of the problem. You're 100% right. And and some of that, again, is mental health, some of that substance abuse, maybe some of it's stubbornness. But some of them don't really want, they're comfortable living in where they're living. That's the fact. That is the fact. And nobody got my song reference. Nobody has made a guess as to where my song, I mean, come on, guys. It's a classic. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. This is, I'm in such a weird mood today. I'm such, I'm just, I'm mentally exhausted. It's been, this is like my busiest time of year. I got all this different stuff going on. And my brain is just uh, just mentally exhausted. Um, but, you know, good morning. Good morning. It's great to stay up late. Um, okay, I guess I'm all caught up. Lake City is a federal contractor, said Jeannie. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. When has Lake City ever been on our side? They're, they're busy filling... They're, they're busy filling federal orders and have been for decades. I mean, forget about, forget about caring about what the civilian market wants. They don't care. They're, I mean, they're making their, they're making their dough from uncle sugar. If they had some extras, it was all good. You know? Um, all right. Uh, we're coming into it here. Are you taking calls? Says Barbara. Well, I wasn't really taking calls. I've got a bunch of stuff to talk about. If you got something you want to talk about, though, Barbara, I suppose I could. All right, here we go. Jumping back into it, the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. See, Jim is paying attention. He got it in one. He got it in one. I mean, here I am just singing on the... I'm just singing to myself in the break and everything else. And uh, was quizzing the quizzing the chat room and they apparently didn't care. Except for Jim. Jim, Jim gets it. He knows exactly what I was going on about. All right. Uh, we're continuing on with the stories this morning. Um, I do have some good news stories near the end of the hour. Mike Shower is going to be joining us as well. I got a couple stories that I want to get a little ranty about. Um, let's uh, let's continue on, shall we? Um, um, I want to I want to talk. Well, I, I guess Barbara is. Uh, um, I'm sorry. I'm just reading a. St- there, there's apparently there's a land use ordinance involving 10,000 parcel is up tomorrow night at the Fairbanks North Star Borough Assembly meeting. Okay, we'll we'll pull Barbara on here in a minute to talk about that here uh, in just a second. Um, and we'll talk about that, Barbara. Let me get over to some of the other stories that are up and out here. 
This uh, is an interesting story. Now, the worst part of this is I still don't know the full details of this, and I couldn't really find it. I was looking this morning, um, trying to find more details on it, and I really couldn't um, figure out uh, what what's going on with this. Um, the woman who was indicted after a viral video showed a, her boat circling dangerously close to a float plane in Halibut Cove has entered a plea agreement, according to court documents. Marion Beck was indicted on January 19th on charges of attempted destruction of aircraft and gross negligent operation of a vessel in connection with the incident which took place in August of last year. Per, per the terms of the agreement, Beck will plead guilty to gross negligent operation of a vehicle, and the charge of attempted destruction of the aircraft will be dismissed at sentencing. Which sounds like a sweetheart deal to me. Because if you recall this video, this is where she was swerving in front of the float plane that had seven passengers on board. And she was like running within feet of the front of the airplane. I mean, no, I, I never did hear the story as to why she decided that she wanted to play kamikaze with this airplane in Halibut Cove. Now, my understanding is Marion Beck is part of the ownership of the Cove, and there was some kind of beef. I didn't, again, I don't have the full story. I mean, I kind of really want the backstory on what was going on there. But uh, she, she sounds like she got a sweet, sweet deal. The agreement includes a 90-day maximum cap on time to serve. So she may be serving 90 days in jail a fine of $25,000, and a relinquishment of her mariner's license to the U.S. Coast Guard. So she was a certified captain. Uh, whether it was a six-pack or small vessel or whatever, she was a certified captain, so she that's gone. Bye-bye. Beck will also agree to pay full restitution to the victim after an evidentiary hearing, and she will face one year of supervised release or up to five years on probation. Uh, Ultimate Alaska Safaris owner Eric Lee, who was the pilot of the plane, said he was trying to taxi out of the cove with seven passengers on board for a bear sightseeing tour when the boat sped out in circles close to the plane. He said initially he thought the boat operator was trying to communicate something to him, but the boat did not slow down and got so close he was concerned a collision might damage the plane's floats and flotation. Uh, that video went viral. Uh, it's unclear if a date has been set for the evidentiary hearing. And I, I, again, still, I couldn't find anything on exactly what was going on there, but it sounds like she got kind of a sweetheart deal. I mean, because the, the attempted destruction of aircraft, that's a big, especially with passengers on board. I mean, oof. Anyway, <clears throat> I guess, uh, there you go. Uh, there you go. That's what's, uh, that's what's, uh, going on with that. Uh, also, uh, two women were arrested on Tuesday in Delta Junction in connection with a hit and run that left one man dead. You remember this story uh, back in August, where they found um, uh, where they found uh, uh, this gentleman, uh, John Emmerich. He had been killed by a hit and run on the highway just outside of Delta Junction on August the 29th. According to troopers, 32-year-old Chelsea Erickson was charged with criminally negligent homicide. Following the investigation, and in addition to Chelsea, Janelle Erickson, 60 years old, was arrested for tampering with evidence. 
They say based on a tip, they located a pickup truck in a locked shed outside their the Erickson's home. The truck was missing several parts, including the hood and the grill. Uh, that would be the tampering with evidence parts. They're in custody in Fairbanks. Uh, so I'm uh, just, <laughs> man. Crime does not pay. Crime does not pay. And finally, uh, for uh, this story here, um, we have to note the passing of Art Chance, labor negotiator, writer, and yes, very colorful Alaskan. Suzanne Downing over at Must Read has got a little bit of an obituary on him. Uh, Art, who was 74, wrote opinion pieces, theater reviews, political analysis. He wrote his own book called Red on Blue. Uh, he passed peacefully in his sleep yesterday. Yesterday was discovered that he had passed away in his sleep. Um, he was uh, he was quite a he was quite a character. I I've been reading Art Chance for many years. I've been reading his work for many many years. Never got a chance to talk to him. Never got a chance to interview him. Always thought that would be kind of an interesting interview. Um, he was at times acerbic and bombastic. Uh, definitely politically incorrect, but um, always seemed like a guy with a great story and a great head on his shoulders um, and uh, always an interesting character. Uh, but he, again, passed away 74 years old. He apparently had had some health challenges. He'd been um, he'd been in some failing health for the last few years and then slipped uh, on the ice and broke his hip a couple years ago and suffered some various health issues related to that. So uh, anyway, uh, Art Chance, uh, passing of a of a, quite a guy, quite a guy, uh, in that regard. So our thoughts and prayers go out to his wife Juno. Is that is that is that how you say it? Is that do I did I pronounce that right, Juno? Yeah. Um, and um, I just you know what are you gonna do? It's I'm starting to reach that age where I'm starting to feel a little bit like whoa, man, all these people that I know or have interacted with. Uh, not not making it definitely a uh, definitely a tough situation. Okay, um, I want to get into my other two stories, uh, but uh, I did tell uh, Barbara that I would uh, uh, take her call on uh, this meeting that's coming up. Barbara Haney is a borough assembly woman here in the or there in the Fairbanks North Star Borough, and they have got a new ordinance coming up tomorrow night which she said is going to affect up to 10,000 parcels in the borough. And so, Barbara, if you want to give us a call and uh, get us, uh, you know, get squared away, we can do that as well. Um, uh, Donna Ardwin is in the chat room. She said, I did did get to spend time with Art. He told it like it is. Yeah, I mean, I thought he was, uh, <clears throat> I, like I said, never met him, read a lot of his stuff, and uh, he is, uh, um, I, I, he is, uh, was definitely, uh, a character. I definitely enjoyed um, um, giving uh, giving it out. Um, I'm just uh, typing out a number here. Uh, we got uh, stuff. Oh well, we can do it there, I suppose. Uh, Barbara's calling here on my uh, on my cell phone. Let me see if I can get everything connected here to the uh, system, and we can go from there. Uh, uh, let's see if we can pull her online right now. We'll see if this is going to work here. It's, you know, technology. Technology. Hold on a second here. It's trying to connect. Uh, are you there, Barbara? 
Oh, you're not being heard. Uh, go ahead and call that other number that I put up on the screen. How about that? Okay. Do that. Oh, wait, wait, you're there. I heard you. I, oh, too late. Too late. It worked. My watch was interfering with the rest of the stuff. That's what happens. All right, so we're going to talk to Barbara Haney here in just a second, and uh, we're going to continue on. Two of the stories that I want to talk about, or three of the stories, include uh, the discussion on Alaska Day, uh, the Talkeetna situation with a dispute over lake access, and the new attorney general, or excuse me, the attorney general has approved new regs for legal defense for ethical violations at the state level. And although I think that there was a lot of testimony against that, I'm going to tell you why I think it's necessary and probably not win friends and influence people uh, over that as well. All right. Well, let's uh, let's see if we can get uh, we'll see if we can get uh, um, Barbara uh, back on the phone because she's not calling the other one. And we'll try that. How about that? We'll see if we can get her on the phone to talk about things. There we go. Good morning. This. Good morning. How are you this morning? I'm great. Good. How are you doing? Good, good. So Barbara Haney, uh, Borough Assemblywoman for Fairbanks, you say you guys have got a bunch of stuff coming up tomorrow night at the Thursday night assembly meeting. What do folks need? Oh, to be, yeah. What do, what do folks need to be aware of? A property rights things. This has immediately got my antenna twitching. What's going on? Amen. Um, so for a long, I actually started thinking about this when you were talking about the homeless issue because. Part of why we have homelessness, one piece of it is a small piece, has to do with the availability, obviously, of housing and rental units, homes, and overall development. Um, and one of the things that's been an obstacle in Fairbanks, I don't know if what's been the case in Anchorage, but up here, one of the obstacles to providing affordable housing has been um, this whole issue of illegal subdivisions, or that's what they call it. It's really unauthorized subdivisions. Um, back during the pipeline era, people would buy and sell land by deed, and they didn't go through the borough planning process. So when they want to subdivide up here, <clears throat> um, the borough basically says, well, you're not an authorized, you don't have an authorized plat, so we're not going to let you subdivide. Well, the the problem is that you Many of these were like four or five owners ago, right? So you got, can't go back to the 80s and 50s. Some of these had to go back to territorial days to try to find the parent parcel, then figure out where all the errors are, the errors of the land are, and then go back into it. And, you know, you might have a whole, almost a whole section in a couple of cases where um, this development's being blocked uh, because of the subdivision issue. So uh, tomorrow night, we're going to fix it or try to. Uh, the surveyors have been meeting. They have, they've come up with a group of suggestions. The, of course, the assembly, the, the borough administration has their own version of it. I wrote a version back a few months ago. Um, nope. The surveyors liked mine, but the administration didn't. Um, so, but we're going to try to figure this out and try to make it easier for people with these quote, unauthorized plots of land um, to move forward. All right. So that is tomorrow night at 6 p.m. at the Borough Assembly Building. It'll be actually part of what they call the continuation of last Thursday's meeting. Oh, okay. There'll be three meetings on Thursday. One's the Finance Committee. 
Uh, and there's some important issues there, but nothing hair, nothing hair burning. Um, then there's the committee, of the whole, which there's no, no testimony on that. It's just basically, um, you know, what we're going to be doing in the in future meetings. And then there's the continuation is the third meeting of last week's meeting. Uh, the two hot topics on there is obviously this issue, which is one that I've worked on as well as others. And the other one is moving the elections to the same day as the November elections. Oh, nice. So lots of stuff to talk about on Thursday then. All right. Yeah, so people need to be listening in and um, being aware. All right. Well, uh, thanks, Barbara, for giving us the rundown on that. I appreciate that. We'll... uh... We will uh, be looking forward to that uh, for tomorrow night. And you can report back to us next week on what happened. Thanks for calling in. All right, folks, we're up against the break. We got to go. The Michael Duke Show. Barbara, hold the line. Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the Internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. All right. We're getting long-winded there. I was uh, afraid we were going to hit the break. Okay. Um. Brian just said, I never post anything that is contrary to the party-approved thought. I find that hard to believe. I'm just saying. I find that hard to believe. Um, Interesting interview between Matt Kibbe and Ron Paul. Rand Paul. Uh, Yeah. Uh, I mean, all Matt Kibbe's interviews have been, you know, that's the thing. I was, I've, so many times I want to sit down and listen to that. But I'm just, uh, I'm a big fan of the short form podcast. The long forms are harder for me to uh, pay attention to because I'm sometimes by the time I get home or I'm driving home at the end of the day, I just, I just want to either listen to silence or I want to get caught up in a good book or something that it's just takes me away from the day because by that time I am just like, I'm done, you know? <clears throat> Got up at got up at four four thirty in the morning to get ready for the show, and then by the time I leave town, you know it's three four five o'clock, and I'm I'm done for the day. You know, cruising into the house and dealing with the traffic and everything, and I'm just like, oh, maybe I should put Matt Kibby back on my listening list, though. Silence is a good thing, says Rick. Yeah, I mean sometimes it's just that silence is just nice. Yeah, the rumble of the road, the raw horsepower of the Cooper. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm driving. Uh, I'm, dr- I'm driving up to Fairbanks tomorrow. We got the big uh, Go Winter Expo uh, on this weekend, and uh, the gun show and everything else. And so I'm driving up tomorrow to Fairbanks, and it's always one of my favorite times. Is just a few hours on the road because I can just I can shut everything off. I can listen to some music. I can listen to a book, or I could just suffer in silence all the way there just enjoy a little window time just just a little window time bill brock says silence is golden duct tape is silver not my duct tape i've got camouflage duct tape and purple i have purple duct tape too you know because who um 
Mac who didn't catch the last name. Matt Kibbe is who I was talking about. Matt Kibbe. Uh, he's the author of the book Don't Hurt People and Don't Steal Their Stuff. Um, and he is the president of uh, Free the People. And he's got a podcast. Uh, absolute. It's a it's a it's a good it's a good deal. Matt. Uh, Matt Kibbe. He's always got some good interviews. Um, haven't had a radio in my daily driver for several years, says Greg. Just me and the dog cruising in silence. Yeah, sometimes that's good. I I will be honest with you. Um, music is a huge thing for me personally. Um, I have to have, uh, when I'm working, I enjoy having a little bit of music on in the background. I don't know, it just soothes my soul. And it's weird. I mean, it could be weird. I'm very eclectic. I could be listening to Jesse Cook, one of the best gypsy guitarists in the world, or I could be listening to some EDM from Emancipator, or uh, the other day I was listening to Cab Calloway, the old boogie-woogie Cab Calloway, Jump to the Jive, um, you know, the old Harlem crooner. Uh, it just it depends on what I'm feeling like. It's uh, it's one of those things. Um, okay, I think I'm caught up. I haven't even got to these stories. I still had other stories that I wanted to talk about, but I'm going to try and get to these three stories. See if I could squeeze three stories into 10 minutes. It's going to be, it's going to be very hard. And I didn't even get to my good news stories. Um, I might save one of these good. I might save the nerd news for, uh, for shower. Cause he'll probably nerd out about it as well. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens here. We'll see what happens. Oh gosh. Um, and then I got some some good some good good news. Good good news. Kind of cool stuff. Oh. Okay. It's all it's all good. You guys are so quiet. Podcast listeners are like, what the hell is going on? I don't know. I just ran out of steam all of a sudden. I'm just like, Whoop. yeah, EDM, you know, well, low tempo, uh, l low tempo uh, is the, you know, Emancipator is the guy, Doug, Doug, Doug Schilling is his name. He's a classically trained violinist, but he does, he does low tempo EDM music as well. And uh, he's amazing. It's amazing stuff. I really, really enjoy it. Yeah, EDM. I would play it as bumper music on the show if I wouldn't get the if I wouldn't get the copyright strikes from all the YouTube and Facebook and everything else. It would become part of my bumper music. I love I love it. It's good stuff. Um, uh, I love your lab. My lab. My what? Whose lab? You talking to me? You talking to me? Did you rub my lamp? Did you? You know what I mean. All right, uh, here we go. Jumping back into it. Uh, the Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Let's do it. Okay, I mean, it is electronic dance music, but it's 
low tempo that they called. Hello. <laughs> we get talking about some of the strangest stuff during the commercial break. Just me and all the folks in the chat room. You guys miss out. You know, you can join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Michael Duke show slash live if you want to come see us out there and hang out during the breaks. I mean, we just sometimes we just go far afield. Sometimes we're talking about the same stuff. Other times we're like all over the place. All right, let's um, let's move over to the stories that I didn't think were going to make me very popular today. So just because I'm just going to lay it out like it is. This is just my raw thoughts on it. And you can, um, you know, your your mileage may vary as to whether you agree with me or not on this. So uh, Wednesday, today, Alaska Day. Um, 156 years ago, the papers were signed, the ink was dry, and Alaska became the property of the United States of America. The transfer took place on Castle Hill in Sitka on October the 18th, 1867. They still do reenactments there each year when the day is the most celebrated. And there's a little story in the uh, little story in the uh, must read Alaska about this and where some of this information came from and talking about it all. Um, this is what got me. OK, this is this is what got me in the long run. Um, Alaska Day is protested by some who view it as a celebration of colonialism. And the unlawful taking of land from the native people who lived on it. Native groups say the land was not Russia's to sell and therefore is not does not belong to the United States. In the past few years, objectors have shown up at the Alaska Day celebration to show their disapproval of the day and to ask for it to be rebranded as a day of reconciliation or for reparations. To, to which I say, come on. I mean... This is the story. This this is his this is the history. This is history. I mean, when the Picts and the when the Romans came in and 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 got the Gauls and the Picts and they overran everything out there and and they, you know, brought civilization to warring barbaric tribes in Europe. Do you see the Germans and the, you know, and everybody else? Uh, or, you know, or the Celts, you know, basically saying we demand reparations from Italy for the conquering of these. This is the history of the world, folks. There is, you know, there are, there is exploration and there is conquering. This is how it worked out. And you know what? Sometimes it's horrific. Sometimes it is barbaric. Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it's tough. But in the long run, the, this is just, this is how it works. This is the history of humankind. And as much as I, you know, as, as much as I feel for, you know, the people at the time who may have been, you know, fought or oppressed or fought and died, you know, this is the, this is the history of conquest. This is the, this is just what it is. And to continue to live in the past in this way, not, not to forget your past, but to try and live in the past and to insist that, well, Russia didn't own us and so it's not doesn't belong to the U.S. anymore. 
Good luck. I mean, try and be a sovereign citizen in some place. Try be a sovereign citizen in Idaho. See how that does for you. It doesn't matter who you are or where you are. This is just stop. Stop. Don't forget your past. Continue to, you know, bring your culture, your heritage, but don't try and live back there. It makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, this is just, again, I don't see a bunch of the Germanic people or, you know, people from middle, you know, from mid Europe crying about the invasion of the Romans and demanding reparations from, you know, again, I just don't see this. This to me is just one of the most ridiculous things you could say. Colonialism did more in the long run. Was it bad? Did it have bad? Absolutely. Were there some horrific things that happened? Fa- oh, ab- I mean, yes. Horrific things that went on in every period of exploration, expansion, and conquest. There were horrible things that happened. That's not to excuse those horrible things, but to say that that is said and done and let's move forward from here. Again, not a popular opinion, I'm sure, but just stop. Just stop, stop, stop. Uh, the other story that I wanted to talk about was the state of Alaska. Uh, the attorney general approved a regulation following allowing the legal defense of uh, the governor, the lieutenant governor, and the attorney general in ethics complaints filed against those top officials. It was signed by Nancy Dahlstrom on Friday, and it takes effect on November the 12th. Basically, it would provide a, a defense so that they wouldn't have to defend themselves legally from spurious cases involving ethics complaints. And this is a whole story. I don't have enough time here. I've only got a couple minutes. Uh, basically, this is part and parcel of the problem. And they actually cite what I was, what I've talked about many, many times, the 20, the 2009 barrage of ethics complaint against Governor Sarah Palin, who was just being slammed relentlessly by Andy McDowell and others in just this barrage of ethics complaints. At one point, I talked to, okay, I think I talked to Todd. I can't remember who I talked to, but they told me that their legal bills at that point were upwards, reaching upwards of $70,000 trying to defend themselves from this from this thing. Now, at the time, Attorney General Dan Sullivan, now Senator Sullivan, uh, basically put together an ordinance or a regulation that would pay for public officials privately hired legal defense under certain circumstances. And that was in an attempt to prevent and to help out in these kind of situations. But according to Dunleavy and Treg Taylor and everybody, it didn't go far enough. It was more expensive to do that to the state to reimburse private attorneys than it was to do it in-house. But the reaction from some of the people who are against this, first of all, Matt Clayman. Oh, that's a, you know, consider the source is the first thing I have to say to this. He just, oh, this is not great. This is me. But the, the kicker was a press release and a comment from APIRG, which is the Alaska Public Interest Research Group, which has ties, of course, to Scott Kendall and all this other kind of stuff. And they're the ones that are filing a lot of these ethics complaints or APOC complaints now and everything else. This is a group that just wants to legalize lawfare. This is their their whole thing. They want to do that. While these self, this is their quote, while these self-serving ethics regulations changes now signed to law, Governor Dunleavy's blah, 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 blah. Okay, so here it is. 
Governor Dunleavy and Attorney General Treg Taylor have established a corrupt process that allows them and other Alaska's top leaders to operate indefinitely under the cloak of darkness as they break our laws on Alaska's dime. Not only does this decision again ignore the unanimous outpouring of objections from Alaska, but also ignores the multiple opinions from Ledge Legal, which found these challenges to be illegal. Patty Sullivan, sorry. Patty Sullivan, the communications director for the Department of Law, shot back, which I, I strongly worded. With that outrageous quote, APERG makes baseless accusations with empty inflammatory remarks that then divert from the important public purpose behind these regulations. Namely, that few people will want to accept a seat or stay in office that they have to personally pay to fend off constant frivolous legal attacks. This aversion to public service threatens our democracy and results in only the wealthy being able to take office. Boom! Mic drop. Shut your pie hole, AK Perg. I'm sorry. Out of time. The Michael Duke Show. Damn it. I really wanted to get more into this story. I mean, but this this is it. This whole thing where there was just this relentless pursuit of these public officials because you didn't agree with them politically, so you would pick apart anything that they would do and file all these ethics complaints and basically do nothing but distract them from being able to actually do the job that the Alaska people hired, hired them to do. But this whole thing about, oh, a corrupt process, operate under the cloak of darkness and everything. That's a, the, what? The, this is so much BS. The whole thing is just so much BS. And congratulations to Patty Sullivan, by the way, who's the comm director for the Department of Law, who, who just calls it like it is. With that outrageous quote. AKPIRG makes baseless accusations with empty inflammatory remarks that divert from the important public purpose behind these regulations. Yeah, sister, preach it. I mean, again, out of the mouth speaks the heart. AKPIRG is one of the groups that would love to burn down anybody that they don't agree with in public office, and they... I mean, you can go look at the, all the filings. Look at the APOC filings, the court filings. Uh, they are all part and parcel of this uh, of this process. They are part of that legalized warfare group, the lawfare group. Uh, it's it's just oof. All right. Um, <sighs> Let me go back here to see what you guys see see what you guys have to say. Um, let us have one day to feel good about our country in country this anymore. Is anyone who protested on that day still alive? Well, yeah, because it's the they're protesting today. I mean, like there'll be protesters today at the reenactment of the signing of the of the deal between Russia and Alaska. There'll be protesters there today. Um, Native Americans even fought with each other and took slaves. I mean, I know that, it, 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 you know, again, this is, this is, it's history. You know, it's like, we want to blame everybody for something that happened 160 years ago or 200 years ago or 400 years ago, 800 years ago, when we personally had nothing to do with that. And it's just that's just the history of the world. Conquest and exploration were. That was what happened. 
That is the history of the world. I mean, was it right? You know, in some cases, yes. In some cases, no. In the way things were done, was it right? I mean, was it right to give infected blankets to Indians? and everything? No, absolutely not. But it happened, and we can condemn it now. But that doesn't mean that in the long run, it's not it's not all settled. I mean, again, the comment that got me on this was the comment that native groups say the land was not Russia's to sell and therefore it does not belong to the United States. This is a might makes right situation, right? I mean, Russia had claimed they had the deal. This happens all the time. This is history. You can't stop Again, don't forget your culture. Don't forget your history. Don't forget those kind of things. But stop living in the past. And, you know, don't just put plunge your head into the sand and say, I don't, la, 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 I don't believe you. La, 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 can't be true. La, 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 la. Just don't do that. I, I it's like the whole Columbus Day and Indigenous Peoples Day, you know. Oh, maybe we should have let the Vikings come over and that would have been a much kinder, gentler society, I'm sure, right? For the Vikings and the, I don't know, it's a hot take. Like I said, it's a hot take. People are going to hate it, but that's just how I feel about it. <sighs> anyway. Um, hey, look, I see, uh, well, I see, I hear, I see in here, I see somebody is in the, in the, in the, in the room here in the background. Let me uh, do that and see if I can add them to what's going on here. And uh, we'll go back over here. Hello. Are you there? Hello. Hello. Mr. They call him Mr. Shower. Are you there, Mike? No, I just heard. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. I can hear you now. Are you there? There you are. Are we doing just, are. are we doing just audio? Is that what we're doing today? Just Mike, it's it's dark where I am, so no light. It's it dark. matter anyway. It's just dark. It's just dark. I don't know where the light switch is. It's just dark. We'll just have to sit here and do our thing. Okay, we can do that. Um, how's uh, how's it going, my friend? How's uh, how's life treating you? What's uh, what be the haps? Well, since the last time we talked, because we didn't come on last week, we uh, you know. A lot of it's uh, Israel now, Israel Hamas. You know yeah. what's happening in the Middle East, getting drawn into that one. So that's yeah. a, that's he'd say it's the hot topic. Well, it's certainly dominating the yeah, dominating the news cycle. Well, we could talk with you about that and everything else, and uh, kind of see what's uh, what's going on. Um, we could talk. Uh, uh, I don't know if you just heard my rant about Alaska Day. We could talk about that. Uh, a little bit of history, maybe uh, of you know of of expansion and exploration and conquest and colonization if you want to talk about that or or not whatever you want to it's you baby whatever you want to talk about we're gonna we're gonna chit chat about it today okay sure okay he's so he's tired i can he's low and slow he's low and slow this morning it's quiet and he's just maybe you should turn the line on so you don't go to sleep just don't go to sleep until we're done here um, all right. Well, I appreciate you, my friend. I'll put you, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to mute you on hold here for a second, just to get, uh, everything squared away. We are getting ready to do it. Hey, Fairbanks came back early. Hi, Fairbanks. You guys are early. Um, 
Apparently somebody didn't put the local news in. We're going to jump into this. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukeShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Also broadcasting live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Uh, yeah, we're, we're kind of everywhere all the time. It is the Michael Duke show. It is the Wednesday edition of the show and it's hour two, which means it's time for what we lovingly call the shower hour of power where we're, uh, getting, uh, getting, getting all squared away here to talk to state Senator Mike shower, who, uh, joins us this morning to discuss, uh, so much, uh, so much, so much stuff. Let's just, let's just get started with him here and see what he has to say. Good morning, my friend. How are you? Oh, like you said, tired, but here. <laughs> I feel like I'm abusing our friendship here is what I feel like. I feel bad. I'm <laughs> like he sounds tired. Yeah. He's probably beat and he's get. um, you know, anyway, Mike, uh, it, um, you know, here we are. It's been a while since we talked. Been a couple weeks. Um, we didn't talk to you last week, and of course, a lot of stuff has happened since then. Um, we could talk a little bit about uh, your thoughts as a former fighter pilot and military man about what's going on in Israel, what it means for us here in um, America or even Alaska. Uh, anything else that's coming out? We were talking about Alaska Day. We were talking about this new ethics thing. Uh, so I'll let you grab the horns here and tell me what you want to talk about first. Let's uh, let's 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 chit chat here. Well, there's a couple things. I know you saw that uh, Art Chance passed away. Yeah, I'm sure you did. Yeah, that, we talked about a, that earlier. Yeah, kind of a loss. I think you had a guy that was very knowledgeable about this state, uh, who was passionate about it. You know, he was here for most of his life, and uh, you know he's very involved in the state government, union side, and the, and the state side. Um, you know, I, Art was a very caustic individual, uh, set a lot of people off and sometimes rubbed them the wrong way, but he was also (laughs) brutally honest. Um, and the man knew what he was talking about, you know, wrote some books and a lot of articles. And I had a lot of long discussions with Art over the last seven, eight years. And, um, like I said, the man was a fountain of knowledge and it's like all things, you know, I mean, it's a loss regardless whether you liked him or not, or you were on his side or, or whatever, um, you know, it's a loss because there's a, a guy that has just a, a lot of history and knowledge about the state and how it works, the background, the players, and 
you know, and, and he is somebody that really wanted to pass that knowledge along, and he was still very active and engaged. I mean, I saw him every few weeks at the Anchorage Roundtable. You know, anytime there's a big event, you'd see Art over there, you know, bending somebody's ear. So, you know, and, and relatively in today's age, I think, what, it was 74? He wasn't very old. Yeah, 74. Yeah. Some, yeah. yeah, that's that's young by t- the standards, really. So that's a big loss, um, you know, and not necessarily for one side or the other, just a big loss uh, to have somebody that was so active and could really, boy, could he narrow the the issues down, you know, with some very pointed comments um, and kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Michael Savage, the radio host that used to set people off, very intelligent and really funny in their own way, if you can understand their, their sense of humor. But, right. Um, anyways, he, yeah. that was just one that just popped up yesterday. No, that's funny because right. Savage, Mike Savage, did he does have a very acerbic uh, sarcastic and kind of a mean sense of humor in some ways. I mean, he's just, he's, you know, mm-hmm. he, and, and, and our chance, I thought, you know, again, bombastic and everything else, but again, brutally honest, didn't always agree with everything he said, but he was always interesting. I, I think that'll be one thing. I always kind of wanted to get him on the show to talk about stuff. And I, I just never got around to it. Uh, but I have been a reader of his for, uh, many years and enjoyed uh, a lot of the things that he wrote and especially the insight into the, labor aspects of the state he has a he had a lot of insight into the um, uh, into the workings of the labor aspect he actually started as a a union steward he was for labor 71 he was a shop steward and he was a democratic operative for a while before he became a conservative but he brought a lot of institutional knowledge to the table when you were talking about labor issues in the state uh, because he was there i mean he was there for the whole thing Art probably, you know, he said it differently, but it reminds me of a quote from uh, Thomas Sowell who said, uh, you know, hey, you used to be a liberal growing up. What changed? And he said, facts. <laughs> so, facts. Uh, you know, F-A-C-T-S, facts. He's yeah. Like, the facts change. You know, that's what changed me. He's like, I looked at the facts and go, whoa. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, so a second close to home thing for us in Alaska, you may have read and may have talked to the program because I haven't listened to every one of them, but about the permanent fund corporation now all of a sudden strangely coming out of this day and age with a recommendation for a constitutional amendment for the permanent fund dividend did you see that oh yeah no yeah we talked about this on monday and on tuesday we talked about it i I talked about it on monday then brad keithley talked about it yesterday uh this collusion i mean talk about creating an artificial crisis and then monopolizing and capitalizing on the crisis that you created, uh, Bert Stedman and company, of course, putting away billions of dollars out of the ERA into the corpus of the fund to create this artificial crisis about how there's not going to be enough money in there, then putting up charts and numbers from the Permanent Fund Corporation that include all the current year's earnings, but then include future year spendings without the earnings being shown in those years as well. Again, just creating this artificial crisis to say we need access to the corpus of the fund this is it's despicable it really is despicable what's going on with that well michael they're going to save all the i've been predicting this for years with you we're watching the the uh, death of the permanent fund dividend not the permanent fund itself necessarily but the dividend this has always been for some of the people that you're discussing um guaranteeing that their family and their family wealth does not get taxed to pay for government services um, and it has 
been a focus to ensure that that money is going to be directed towards government spending. You and I both know one of the problems with that is that every penny you give government is going to spend. Government doesn't go, hey, we're going to give you 100 extra bucks. And government goes, we're going to put $50 of that away. Or we're going to give $50 of that back. We're going to go, oh, we got $100 to spend. Let's spend it. What can we do with it? Let's um, have a, uh, a fat bear counting contest. You know, the article I read a few weeks ago that really does right. highlight right. government. Yeah. Oh, we got money to spend. Let's spend it on every possible thing we can. Um, and they'll spend every penny. And that's the unfortunate part of it because the dividend was a little bit, I mean, amongst many things, it was a little bit of a hedge, right, against that because the people knew, would know and, and have when the government decided it was going to continue to take more, either via direct taxes, you know, sales income, et cetera, or taking of the dividend. And of course, that started. And that was the slow death knell. This, this whole push for the percent of market value um, combining the earnings reserve account into the corpus so that we have just one massive corpus that can never be touched, of course, unless it's emergency, but they never tell you about that part. Um, and then we're going to use the uh, POMB draw. Uh, but that's so, the thing. That's the thing. It's not that it wouldn't ever be touched because the POMV draw now draws into it. And if the permanent fund earns less than the POMV draw that year, it draws down on the corpus. I mean, it could eventually mm -hmm. spell the death of yeah. the fund itself, not just the dividend. That's the problem. Yeah, depending on how depending on how things go, that's absolutely true. If you think that all of a sudden in a year when the stock market crashes, you know, COVID twenty twenty four, whatever else we face, like it did a few years ago, you think that we have one massive corpus and that's where everything is funneled into it, that they're not going to take the full POMB draw to pay for government, that suddenly we're going to cut government to match the deflationary aspect of whatever crisis we may be facing. Well, you're a fool. That's not what government does, Mike. Government doesn't cut itself. Government grows and then government consumes. And it will consume whatever it has to and take whatever it must from the people, whether it's the dividend, whether it's taxes, whether it's raising more to feed itself because it has constituencies. Remember that old saying, it's like if you don't spend government money, you don't have a constituency, right? So, and when you add in the lobbyists and the Alaska Municipal League and and the big unions and the others that all feed off the government, if you think they're going to let you reduce spending that goes into their pockets or others that have power and control are going to reduce um, taking from the dividend or I should say the permanent fund earnings so they're not taxed on their wealth, Mike, come on. You know, I got that beachfront property for you in Arizona. <laughs> let's, 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 let's don't be fools here. I mean, at least let's acknowledge reality. The reality is they're on a march to take the permanent fund dividend, and they are almost there. Uh, they're going to tell you otherwise, Mike. It's right. a campaign year coming up. A whole bunch of politicians next year are going to fall in love with the dividend again and tell you how great it is and how they're going to protect it and speak out of both sides of their mouth. And then the senators get reelected. They're going to do the very first thing right after they get reelected. I got four years. Remember I told you about that one that told me, he's like, I'm like, why are you voting against the dividend? Because you campaigned on protecting the statutory dividend, the Democrat. Oh, I got three. I got three years to apologize. They're going to forget about what I did. I'm like, wow, that's how you think, huh? Yeah, that's the kind of mentality you're dealing with, Mike. So it's yeah. you're watching the death knell of it. There's not enough legislators that are willing to fight for it. 
at this point. Um, well, and, and, and the, I'm not saying all hope is lost. It's just that's kind of where we are right now. Well, and the worst part, of course, is, you know, what I was really upset about was the reporting on it. You know, James Brooks went so far in his article to quote uh, what was happening in New Mexico as an example of what we should be doing. They transferred eight billion dollars into their various permanent funds when oil prices were high to prevent this. And I'm like, it's so ironic we transferred $8 billion into the corpus of the fund as well, and he makes no mention of that whatsoever. The exact same amount for the exact same reasons. Half of that was earmarked as future inflation-proofing of the fund. He doesn't talk about that at all. It is it, – it, and at some point i got to realize it's not just laziness. It's just not willful ignorance. It's intentional. Mike, that's not the narrative that the power players are pushing and reporters want access. Do you think they're going to get access if they're reporting things that the powers that be are unhappy about? No. Right? You think you're going to get invited to the pressers or you think they're going to call on you for a question or you think you're going to get invited to the White House press corps meetings if you ask the hard questions? No. You might be allowed into the room because you got a press pass, but they're never going to call on you. They're never going to do individual interviews. They're going to say, don't let that person. Nope, not going to take his call. They want access, Mike. That's how they survive, right? Unless you're a blogger, you know, that has all kinds of sources because you hang out and drink with the staffers and you have probably have better sources than most of the actual reporters. <laughs> ironic as it's, it is. Yeah. So, yeah, it's I just had to talk about it because I think it is so ironic that some of us have been trying for years and years to constitutionalize and the people, too. Right. I mean, have been trying to constitutionalize and protect the PFD, permanent fund itself and the PFD. And we're, we've never been able to get the votes. And now all of a sudden, the corporation itself goes, oh, we need to constitutionalize the PFD. Well, not in the same way, of course, and yeah. not prioritizing the people. Yeah. But they're prioritizing government and protecting themselves and their wealth. But I find it very ironic now that all of a sudden, yeah. everybody's all about protecting it. It's all set up, Mike. Really well, and, and the yeah. thing is, is the permanent fund board is not supposed to be politicized, not supposed to be doing this kind of stuff. They're doing it anyway. These are all Dunleavy appointees. I'm wondering, what does the governor have to say about this? Good luck trying to get the governor to make any kind of comment on any of this at this point. I don't know. But, you know, the the fact is, is that they shouldn't even be involved. In, they are playing into the hands of people like Stedman and company who, again, want nothing more than to have access to that huge pot of money. They're just, some, you know. As long as their family wealth is taxed, Mike, all is well. Yeah. These people could not stomach having a income tax or a sales tax because what they will do as they have done is say that then they're taxing hard-working alaskans to pay a dividend that's the narrative now is it not that's sure. what they say oh i don't want to i see all agency republicans and some conservatives saying it well i don't want to tax to you know so-called conservatives i don't want to enact a tax you know to to pay for a bigger dividend that's not how this works brother or sister. That is not how it works. The dividend was always to have first call. Lyman Hoffman said it on the floor two years ago, the longest serving legislator we have in Alaska. He said it flat out. The dividend was always to have first call. Anything after that you had to raise taxes for or cut spending or whatever it was, was because of what we did as a legislator in our spending. It had nothing to do with the dividend. Nothing. But that's where they've changed the narrative now. Mike Shower is our guest. Uh, it's the Shower Hour of Power. We're continuing on with him here in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. 
The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Back with more right after this. Listened to by more staffers in Juno than any other show. Because their bosses told them to. And after what they just heard, oh man, they're going to be best. You're a bad, bad man. The Michael Duke Show. Mike Shower is our guest here on the program today. Telling it like it is. Uh, I mean, I, I am so infuriated by that whole thing, Mike. Um, it, it, like I said, I'm I'm just not that I thought. I mean, I knew James Brooks had, the you know, had a liberal slant. I know that going in. I try and, you know, read that with some rose colored glasses and everything else. But just this blatant misrepresentation of what's going on in the permanent fund, the collusion of the board to try and apparently help out this cadre in the legislature that wants to have access to the permanent fund and everything else. I mean, this, this, you know, this, this is just, this is it. This is it for the state. You are watching in real time, the slow motion train wreck that is the death of the PFD. And eventually I think the destruction of the permanent fund itself overall in the long run. Yeah, the permanent fund may survive this, Mike, but like you said yourself, it's very it's at risk because once you do this, you have divorced the spending of the state and the growth of the state and hence its spending from what happens to the fund, right? Because our previous this well, actually not previous, still current statute because we ain't following it. Still, when things go up or things go down, the amount that was taken out in the formula goes up and it goes down, right? It was a mechanism that protected permanent fund corpus itself well we're not going to do that like you said we're going to combine it into one they're going to take out that draw no matter what government's never going to take less and by the way mike as i have i have to continue to point out you know this most of your audience knows it, but i got to keep saying it the growth pattern we're on is going to eat up all of that anyways taxes ladies and gentlemen are still coming at some point there is no willingness in this state government to reduce spending and based on just bills like Kathy Giesel's, Senator Giesel's uh, uh, defined benefit plan for all state employees, Senator Tobin's, you know, quarter of a billion plus for more education spending without any accountability whatsoever. Those are half a billion, upwards of a billion dollars a year. In addition to the 125 million or so, we're already increasing spending before any other bills are passed. So Mike, just in, just in a couple short years, Yep, you're going to eat up anything left over from the percent of market value draw, and it's going to be beyond what we have available to spend to a point they're going to have to tax anyway. So when people say certain wealthy, you know, or retired legislators or business leaders or union folks or any of them are going, well, you know, this just prevents us from having a tax to pay a bigger dividend or a dividend at all. No, it doesn't. It only kicks the ball or kicks the can down the road for a couple of years. Right. And you're still going to have to tax because of the growth of this government. And by the way, while we're shrinking, because we have no economy to speak of, and we're not building anything, and we're not digging or drilling or doing anything else anymore, the workforce is shrinking, Mike. So where in the world are you going to get the money from? Yeah. No, this is exactly what I pointed out. This is nothing more than a delaying tactic. But that plays back into what you were saying earlier. A lot of these people are like, oh, I really don't care because in three or four years, I'm, I'm out of here. 
You know, I mean, Gary Stevens is already, I mean, he lives in Hawaii most of the time already. He's on his way out the door. It's why he was pushing so hard for that, uh, for that legislative raise because he's on the, 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 the PERS system and wants that top three years of contribution to his PERS account so he can make a good, healthy living. They, again, it doesn't matter. Three, four years, I'm out of here. You know, that's, that's the, there is no long-term thinking. The furthest they think down the road is three years. And after that, I don't care what happens in the state of Alaska, as long as I get mine. I blew his mind. He doesn't want to comment. You still with me, Mike? Apparently, I broke. Can you hear me now? How about now? I can hear you now. I can hear you now. Huh. Interesting. Just went away. Told you it's dark here. (laughs) I told you. It must be dark in the EMF spectrum, too. Yeah, exactly. Um, All right. Uh, We are uh, getting ready to jump back into it. Mike Shower is our guest. We're going to continue here. And Jill says, I'm just still waiting for the good news part. We'll cover the good news in the last segment with Mike. I got two news stories that I'm going to talk about with Mike, and we'll we'll do that at the final segment. But we're going to continue to give him his full head of steam here in the second part, and uh, we'll cover things uh, that he wants to talk about here. Uh, we're going to continue the Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share, like and follow, no matter where you're at. Let's do this thing. Here we go. Public enema number one. Oh, wait, sorry. Uh, Enemy. Public enemy number one, which uh, makes more sense. On the other hand, he's a little bit of a pain in the uh, Michael Duke show. I No, I'm not. My mom says I'm a perfect angel. I've told you that before, but I am not a pain in the anything. Well, maybe to most people anyway. Mike Shower, our guest. I'm a pain to him for sure. Asking him to get up at Odark Thirty wherever he's at and uh, call in and join us, but he joins us to stay. He joins us today to talk about all the hot news of the day. Give us his thoughts on things that are happening. We just finished up talking about the Permanent Fund Corp and their move to consolidate the PFD, the earnings reserve account rather, in the corpus of the fund. And of course, that spells the death knell of the PFD and everything else. What else is on your mind these days, Mike? Uh, I mean, what what else is out there? Obviously, Israel's hot. Anything else? What what do you what do you want to chat about? Well, I mean, look, I hear what Jill's saying. I mean, I want to have days where, you know, there's great things to talk about. You can always find some stuff, right? There's some silver linings, and I want to be positive because by nature, I really am a happy, uh, like to joke a lot, glasses half full kind of guy. I really am. But at the same time, like I've told people, because I've been chastised a little bit lately by some Republicans for going, man, we, we listen to your talk, and we just want to give up and go home. Like, no, that's not what I'm trying to do. I understand that. I want to try to to balance that out. But at the same time, like I tell him, I said, do you want me to lie to you? Do you want me to tell you that all is well? Do you want me to fiddle away on the Titanic as the, as the ship is sinking and try to snow you with how great it is? And no, I, I say, I can't do that. I'm too honest for that. And, and personally, I'm honest with myself of looking at things and going, here it is, right? It's like I made the, um, the equivalent argument. It's like going into battle, right? What I'm not going to do is take off in my jet and go into war thinking I got it all done and the enemy is weak and they don't have any defenses and I don't need to know what the battle plan is because we're so good and all is well and get shot down and crushed, right? No, that's not how I approach the battle. I want to know strength of the enemy. 
what their order of battle is, what kind of surface-to-air missiles they have, what kind of fighters they've got, how well-trained they are, how many do they have, how many, blah, 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 right? You want to know those things because if you know the battlefield, right. now I know how to pick apart the battle and do battle myself, right? right. How to make a plan. Knowledge is People power, People need right? to see, yeah, that's right. People need to understand what's happening because if they don't, then you don't really know how to battle and what to do. And you get that often on the program. People are like, what do we do, Mike? What do we do? I get that a lot. Um, and so, honestly, you know, part of it, Mike, it goes back to can, and I'm not saying Republicans because Republicans don't really mean much. I mean, how often have we seen that in the Alaska legislature, right? 11 Republicans out of 20 senators, Democrats have control. You can thank those eight Republicans for that. I don't care. I'm going to keep saying it. They made a choice. They did that. They didn't have to. The point is Republican doesn't mean much. The Republican Party at the state level, at least, um, you know, never seems to care much about what they do when they're down there. As long as you put a bunch of Republicans in, doesn't matter. If Democrats get control. As long as you got a Republican in front of your name, you're getting elected. It seems to be fine. I'm a little confused by that. Doesn't seem to mean much to have a Republican Party if we're not going to hold Republicans accountable for governing in accordance with the platform and the principles and quit handing power to Democrats. But, hey, who am I to judge? Right. Right. So, um, <laughs> Beyond that, right, um, people need to understand that Alaska, when you look at it on the whole, when we show up and vote, <clears throat> we are still over, you know, not overwhelming, but we are still a majority red state, maybe a little more pink these days with everybody moving up from the left coast, but we're still a red state. Why do we know that? We look at a national election, like when we had the national election and then the downstream, like next year coming up, a presidential year. Um, you get more conservatives out to vote. They go vote because they say, oh, look, president and senator. And, that, and then the state stuff just happens to be on the ballot, so they vote on that too, right? But you get more conservatives out. And when we do that, we win almost across the board. You don't win every little bit. You know, you're not going to win Juneau. You know, you're not going to win parts of Anchorage or, you know, Fairbanks, the west side where the college is and all the liberals are at, right? I mean, so, yes, but as a state and as a whole, when we show up and vote and conservatives come out and vote because there's more of us, shoot, there's twice as many registered Republicans in Alaska as there are Democrats. When we show up, we win. But what happens a lot of the time, Mike, like happened last year during the ranked choice voting, so people were so apathetic, so frustrated, they kind of gave up, right? Um, and they just, and, and, and there wasn't a presidential election either, right? I mean, it was some national stuff, but it wasn't a big year, and they just didn't show up. And we lost a bunch of seats right. as conservatives or Republicans or whatever. And right. so we didn't do that. And then you downstream that to the local elections. Well, who comes out and votes? Most conservatives are busy working. They don't really pay attention. They don't think about the big, you know, there's no big elections. They don't think about the small ones. And they complain about ordinances being passed and school boards allowing practically pornographic books on the shelves for kids and all this stuff. And I go, well, that's because all politics are local, as that old saying goes. If you showed up to the polls, this wouldn't be happening because you would be putting people into office that were more aligned ideologically with the majority of Alaskans than the minority. But what happens when we don't show up at the polls? Well, all of a sudden, the big unions, they get their people out. They know exactly what is happening in the MAPSI right now. You know that. The school board race of uh, Shy versus Ole Larson. Right. right? Well, we just saw She's it being outraised by over four times the amount of money. And, and she is telling people she's a conservative. Yeah. I know that because people are reporting back and telling us that. Yeah. She's walking in and oh, she's conservative. Are you kidding me? Right. She's far left liberal, progressive, whatever you yeah. want to label. Far left. Mm -hmm. And all you got to do, Mike, is follow the money. 
Yeah. Look at the APOC report. Democrat, 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 big union, big union, Democrat, Democrat. Matt Chesbro, Mark Kelsey, Tom Bay. I mean, the, the people that are supporting her are all far left. Unions. I mean, well, and, and only has a quarter of that money, and it's all donations from people, individuals. Yeah. Well, look what right. just happened in Fairbanks. I mean, look, I mean, I don't know if you were following the Fairbanks races, but they had they, a, they had a whole bunch of outside money come in. Uh, I mean, there was a, you know, there's a hundred thousand dollars in uh, overall money for both contributed to uh, contributed to candidates and outside PAC money that came out from the NEA and other organizations outside the state to run for school board races in little old Fairbanks, Alaska. And what right. hap- and what happened? They got crushed because the conservatives stood around with their thumbs up their butts, not doing enough to go out there and actually make the vote. And anytime that happens at a small local election, the special interests always wins because they're self-motivated they to get out there and do it. That's right. So here's my point, Mike. It's that people go, oh, well, what do I do? I walk away from listening and I'm just depressed or whatever. I go, no, that's not what I'm telling you. I'm telling you the truth so that you know what's happening to hopefully motivate you to get involved. As we've said, don't complain if you haven't, uh, you know, supported candidates that are good that you like. If you haven't given them money, if you haven't volunteered to walk neighborhoods for them or with them, if you haven't volunteered to take text or phone call list to help them out, if you haven't gone on the radio and, and talked about it, you haven't spread their stuff on social media and help. If you haven't done stuff other than just complain then literally Mike, stop talking and complaining because it's just as much on your shoulders as anybody else. If you're going to complain, you got a constant complainer on your show, right? You and I both know and love, right? But I'll give the man credit. At least he ran for office. He, he, he actually tried and did something. And, and in my opinion, when you do that, you have a right to complain. And I'm going to say you don't have a right to complain, but I'm just not going to listen to you. If you're not going to bother to get out and try to make a difference, if you're not going to do something, Right. Involved in the very least, the very, very least is show up and vote every single election, local, state, federal, yeah. all the time and take a friend. Right. Well, go I st- pick up some seniors and take them to vote. You know, at the Wazi Center, go take your, you know, your friend that says, I don't want to vote. And drag. No, you go drag them to the poll. In fact, drag two friends right. to the poll. If everybody did it, Mike, we could double or triple our vote. Yeah. And we'd win. I start, That's the strategy. I, simply. I started to threaten uh, earlier uh, last month. I started to say before the election in Fairbanks, I started to say, you know, maybe I should just start when I do open line, open form anymore. I'm not just going to ask who you are, or where you're calling from. I'm going to ask who you are, where you're calling from. And did you vote? And if they say no, I just hang up on them. Because if you're not willing to go out there and put yourself out just a little bit, I mean, that's the least you can do is to vote in what's going on. Then. Yeah, you 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 have no room to gripe. I don't want to hear what you have to say if you're not willing to go put yourself out just a little bit. And it, I mean, is it really putting yourself out to participate in this? It's not. I mean, you know, but that's I'm with you. You know, people like you said, people are frustrated. They're throwing their hands up in the air. They're they're walking away, being so frustrated. I know it's frustrating. I know it's irritating. I know it burns you up. All the things that are going on, but if you sit, all it takes is for evil to triumph, is for good men to do nothing, right? That's right. The, that's the old quote. Or the other one, which is my favorite, is government is what happens to you when you stop paying attention. That I mean, it, it will happen to you, folks, if you don't take. This is a participatory sport. And if, in that vein of thought, Mike, 
I ask this question. Does the other side sit it out and do nothing? And the answer is no, they don't. They may be frustrated like on in the Matsu because we kind of swept the assembly of the school board. Are they sitting back? Oh, that's it. I'm done. The conservatives won. We're done. No. Look what they're doing. Fundraising like crazy, dumping money into a local school board race, getting out the teachers unions to scare all the teachers and get them to show up and vote at the polls, going around being dishonest about who the candidate is and who supports her and what her positions are. Did they sit back and go, well, that's it, man, we're done. I'm just saying, no, they're fighting for their slice of the pie and what they want to accomplish. If conservatives, if undeclareds, independents, Republicans don't get out and do the same thing, well, then the other side will win. That's my point, Mike. And that's our winning strategy because there are still more of us than there are of them. Right. It's purely in the numbers. It's a numbers game. Right. If conservatives would get out the vote, if we would go to the polls, if we would drag our friends there, if a few more, just a few more, would get involved, we will win. That's the, it is that simple, ultimately. We don't have to do all kinds of stuff. You don't have to donate $100,000 individually, right? I mean, when 100 people, you know, give 100 bucks, Mike, you got $10,000 to work with, right? I mean, it doesn't take much for people to get folks over the hump to do this. Michelle and I are doing it. It's painful for us, but we're we're giving money to all these candidates. I gave money to the region up in the Matsu for the get out the vote. Give them to all the local candidates, right? It's adding up to more than I'd like to think about. Right. But I'm right. going, I have to do it. Not only are we giving up of ourselves with the time it takes to be involved in the game politically by being a legislator and the time away from family and all the extra stuff I have to do in addition to my other primary job, but we're actually giving of our money people a lot trying to help and put our money where our mouth is and i am done listening to people that are only going to complain and aren't going to take the next step and at the minimum go vote yeah and then maybe do just a little bit i mean if you're if you're fixed income struggling i got it do like the lady in the bible with the mic right i mean give 10 bucks right or i've told people you know like a successful thing you can do is call that campaign and volunteer if you're stuck at home, you can't do much. You know what you can do? You can get on social media in your circle and you can spread their flyers and the other information then going on, right? You can take a list from them and say, give me a thousand names. I will call those people or, and or text them for you to help you out. You can do stuff, Mike, no matter what your condition is. Yeah. Right? No, absolutely. You absolutely can. And yeah. that's the winning strategy. We just have to do it. And that's the bottom line. You know, it's this, it's a, you know, the silent majority, the sleeping giant, whatever you want it, whatever, you know, euphemism or metaphor you want to use. This is, this is what we're talking about. The sleeping giant, the, the silent majority needs to stop being silent. Stop coming out just for the big elections, the big national elections, which we have very little. I mean, hell, half the time the presidential elections decided before our polls are even closed, right? So, I mean, does it really even matter what we're, but everybody gets out for that one. They should be just as concerned with the small local municipal elections as well, because that has a more direct effect on what they're doing than any, than anything else. All right, right. we're we're coming up on the break. Mike Shower is our guest. We are going to do two pieces of good news in the next segment. We'll give Mike his final thoughts, and then we'll, or one way or the other. Maybe we'll do the news first, and then we'll come to Mike on his final thoughts. 
uh, because I promised it. And that's what he was talking about earlier, where Jill just was like, I'm just waiting around for the good news. Well, the good news is we need to get out and do what we need to do. It is winnable. It is solvable. We just got to do some work, unfortunately. Uh, all right, we got to go. Uh, the Michael Duke Show, Common Sands Radio. Regularly heard on American radio. Okay. Uh, Kelly says, remove district chairs that are not doing what they're supposed to do. I mean, yeah, uh, what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> we've had this conversation. I mean, part of the problem is the party structure and leadership is not slapping back on uh, you know, the like Mike was talking about, people who've just got an R next to their name to make sure that they get reelected, that their actions speak louder than what their label is, but they live by the label and the party's not holding them accountable. I mean, this is a, well, Mike, they sanction Murkowski. Oh, yeah. As a state, we sanction Murkowski, but we don't sanction Republicans at the state level when they turn their backs on the party or on yeah. the principles or on their districts or whatever, well, or and, what they campaigned on. And we how, let them get away with it year after year. <laughs> And how how much did that? I mean, what did that sanction really? Oh, we sanctioned her. Great. What is what, what is that? What does that mean? Uh, you keep using. That well, word, I right? mean, it it not as much as we would like it to. I know, but remember, without ranked choice voting, that sanction would have sunk. She was probably sunk anyways. But the sanction from the party, um, if we had the normal election system, would have been you know a final nail in the coffin for her. She would not have been reelected. Right, because so she wouldn't have made it through it the primary. It can right? matter, and it does send a message. And if the party was actively involved in recruiting better candidates or candidates to oppose incumbents that were turning their back on the party and its principles or allowing Democrats to get control by basically joining with them, then that would matter because that does come with some funding, right? The districts have some funding. They have a, a, the mechanism to get out the vote and do things. So the, the party absolutely has some ability to do that. And my point goes back to you, Mike, if, if the party's not going to hold its party members accountable, for how they govern after they get elected, really, what's the point of having a party? Because they're really not doing anything at that point. I mean, right. it, it, they're not effective. Right. right. So, I mean, do you think the Democrats are going to let a Democrat go join with the Republicans and, and not look for somebody to replace them or hold them accountable or scream and yell and jump up at that? Well, yeah, they would. They don't allow that. They don't put up with that garbage. So. Well, as I've often said, the left has done such a great job of coming together communally kumbayaing putting aside whatever differences they may have and doing it for the good of the party or doing it for the good of the cause or whatever and you know those of us on the right are so ornery and 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 rugged individualists that we just like nah i just i don't play well with others and you're like you're you're just screwing yourself on this deal every freaking time even the u.s house is doing it right now yeah. it's not just the state of <laughs> It's not a lot. It's not just Alaska's House of Representatives. Not that the Senate is not having its own issues. Well, but, it's like it's like um, the, you know, the whole party is having an identity crisis, <clears throat> right? I mean, when the National Party in 2020 jettisoned their whole platform and said basically, you know, whatever Trump wants is fine. As a part, I mean, the, the and and the Alaska Party is not sticking by its platform. Oh yeah, we censured or we sanctioned or we whatever. But again, they're not doing it to the state level people. I mean. What if you don't stand for anything? Why should people support you? Why should they give you money? Why? I think people are like, why should I bother? You're you guys are not you know nobody's got their poop in a group on this deal. 
uh, at the state or the no, national it, level. It, it, and you're right. I mean, there is a bit of an identi- identity crisis. The, the platforms there, the principles are solid, and I think the best ones for this for the, the country and our state are. I wouldn't I wouldn't be supporting them or part of it, but you have this this break, I think, of more conservative Americans. Let's just use that broad brush across the board in the Republican Party, and you have more moderates or so-called rhinos. And in some places, you know, you can name a few here in Alaska. I'm sure I won't, but that are probably left of actually the center point. That still have an R in front of their name, and they certainly govern that way. And I've said this before, Mike, the big tent, so-called, doesn't necessarily bother me if individually they have differing views on things. We can live with that. The Democrats certainly will do some of that. As long as they govern and agree to disagree but still stay unified for the good of the cause, right? The problem I have mostly with the Alaska legislature and the Alaska Republican Party is that it's the conservatives in the big tent that continually get excluded. The more conservative members, the more the more they hold the party platform and oppose bad stuff like a binding caucus rule, then they get excluded. So the big tent works as long as you're ready to if you go along to get along, do what you're told, play the game, then that's fine. You're in the tent. But as soon as you go, wait a minute. That that's not the party principle. That's not the platform. That's not what conservatives believe. And certainly, maybe in some cases, that's not what my district wants. You get slaughtered, right? And I've said this before, Mike. Why do they? They're not stupid. They play the game. Why do they put Senator Hughes and myself into a square corner? Because they know if they force us to vote on certain things a certain way, according to the binding caucus rule or the way they want us to, we're screwed in our district. They can do whatever they want in their district and get away with it, but we can't. So do you think they're they're that naive that they don't set us up to fail? Of course they do. Anyways, right, lots right. of little issues like that. Mike Showers, our guest. Um, we're, oh God, we're going to continue uh, one final segment here. We'll start off with the good news, and then uh, we'll give Mike the final thoughts for the show because uh, so we do. But I, I promise some good news, and I feel like doing it. This first story, I think Mike is going to like, and we'll we'll talk about that as well. All right, here we go. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like, share, follow, do all the stuff. Let's do it. Okay, one final segment of the show this morning as we continue on for the Shower Hour of Power. Mike Shower joins us uh, here. I did promise some good news, and so I'm going to hit the uh, I'm going to hit the good news, and we're gonna uh, we're gonna start with that. Uh, first things first. Um, this story uh, is what I like to call this is my nerd news story. Uh, an interesting story, a long lost model of an X-Wing fighter used in the original 1977 Star Wars The New Hope movie went up for auction. Used in the filming of the final battle of, uh, of the, uh, over the Death Star. The model represents the pinnacle of Star Wars artifacts to ever reach the market according to the Dallas-based auction house called Heritage House. The model was part of a collection that belonged to the late Greg Jine, who's an Oscar and Emmy-nominated miniature maker known for his work in Star Trek and Close Encounters. It was discovered in his garage after he passed away. It was long known as the missing X-Wing. 
and was discovered by a team of visual effects experts uh, who uh, were helping Giant's family clean through his collection and clean out his garage after his death. Uh, by the way, the starting bid on that was $400,000 for this 20-inch model, and it ended up going for $3.1 million. $3.1 million for this model of an... I mean, <clears throat> man, there's some collectors out there. But that'd be that, you know, to see a piece of history just kind of pop up out of nowhere and uh, and do something like that. Uh, I don't think Mike would pay $3.1 million for a model of an X-Wing, but it would be kind of cool to have that hanging in your uh, hanging in your man cave, Mike. Yeah, I'd pay, uh, you know, $3.1 for it. Not that I have $3.1 million sitting around. That is cool. Um, I guess that's good news, but it's a cool story. It's a cool, I mean, it's a good, it's a fun story. You know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a fun story. It's a feel good story. Let's it's call a, it that. Yeah, it's, it's, a, feel it's a feel good story, but I mean, kind of cool to see a piece of history. Like it's like finding the Ruby red slippers, you know what I mean? And uh, that's true. Or, or the multi. I'm a sci-fi fan and I love star Wars. Yeah. I think that's pretty cool just because that's, that's a piece of history. You always think it's lost and then you find it. Hey, that is, it's cool. Feel good. Yeah. I feel, I feel better. Um, I thought it was funny. I saw an interview with Mark Hamill the other day. It was a little blurb of an interview, and uh, the guy was talking. And he was he handed Mark he handed Mark Hamill a couple different lightsabers, and he's like, "Yeah, what do you, you know?" Thinking he goes, he goes, "You realize this? The, what you're holding is the original lightsaber that you used in the film." And Mark was just like speechless. He's like, "Really?" I mean, it was just like you know, you think back to that history, you know, forty five years ago. Here it is, you know, 40 years ago, this piece of history. And he's like, really? This is it? He goes, yeah, we got it from the studio. That is the actual lightsaber. You know, it's, again, it's a piece of history. It's it's fun. Um, the second piece of good news before we give Mike his full head here is what I think is an incredible piece of its technology and hope for people, especially those who have disabilities. A Swedish woman named Karen has become which is ironic. A Swedish woman named Karen has become the first person to ever receive a below-the-elbow prosthetic that fuses bone with metal and electrodes. It's an incredible feat of robotics and biology. Basically, she's become the first bionic woman. The mechanical attachment and reliable control of prosthetic limbs are two of the biggest obstacles for those who are missing limbs. And this allows her to... Um, uh, to actually control and do things, it's fused in with her arm, and the electrodes, you know, basically transmit the signals from her brain. She actually has a robotic hand that she can do delicate tasks with, pick up eggs, do all this kind of stuff. It gives her the opportunity to basically have a fully integrated bionic hand that can be used independently and reliably in every day. She has the same neural control on it as if she had her real hand there. This is a huge, huge step for people uh, in the future. I think those who are missing limbs, uh, whether, you know, hands or feet or whatever, to give them the opportunity. But this thing is just fused to her. I think this is, I mean, we're living in the future right now with that. And that is such a cool thing. And I love to see technology. Now it just needs to be brought down to a level where it's available to everyone. This is why I love to see those stories about those you know, the, the, the hackers, the modern day, you know, body hackers who are creating prosthetic limbs in their garage with 3d printing and stuff and giving them away to people instead of costing 50 or a hundred thousand dollars for a prosthetic or whatever. Now you just need to meld these two things together 
and let it go. So that's the second piece of good news. It happened at the the Bionics Institute of uh, of Melbourne in Australia, and uh, just a super super cool story. All right, Mike. that actually is that that's good news, Mike. That yeah. one is a really good. Yeah, it's a good direction for folks that have disabilities, accidents, wounded veterans from wars. Oh yeah, absolutely. Things like that. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, this woman lost her arm in a farming accident when she was a young girl, uh, so 20, 20 years ago, and uh, she had decided against using existing prosthesis, but was talked into this and uh, has become. They've got pictures of her with a little tiny micro screwdriver, uh, fixing some stuff uh, with her with her with her prosthetic, her bionic hand, using the screwdriver with her bionic hand. I mean, it's just the, the the dexterity of something like that is just amazing. So anyway, that's the piece of good news. Mike, um, I'll let you finish up here today. We've got about three and a half minutes. Uh, any final thoughts here as we uh, as we go through? Well, I'll end on the Israel note, but we'll start first just to remind people, and I'm going to kind of do this for you too. I mean, uh, early election for the Matsu Borough, which is the school board, very important to hold on for our children and hold conservative type values. And I don't necessarily mean like, you know, the even Republican type, I'm just talking, you know, values of teaching our kids, reading, writing, and arithmetic, not CRT, not race baiting stuff, not America's bad. That's important. Um, and so of course it's Matt Suburo because the ordinances we live under and, and other things matter as well. So those uh, early elections start here in a couple of days on October 23rd, get out and vote folks. Told you that's our winning strategy. Yep. Get out and vote, you get your friends and family to vote. That's how we'll win. Go vote. If you don't have time on election day, do it early. You can even send in a ballot. So um, early voting starts in a couple days on 23 October, runs until the 7th of November. So you got a couple weeks, no excuses. Go vote. Yeah. That's number one. Get it done. Um, And I'll I'll end this talk. And it's not not a high note, Mike. I know that. But it's very important we understand this. I wrote a letter for the Senate minority. We, We posted it, you know, standing with Israel and being... I believe in this one, you either say something and you pick a side and saying nothing is saying something. You're saying that, you know, genocide of an entire race of people, um, you know, when you have Palestinians and people supporting them that clearly are lost and confused about what evil is, when they're saying gas the Jews, F the Jews, from the river to the sea, which is, as they would call it, um, dog whistling for exterminating the Jews and running them all into the into the Mediterranean and killing them all. Um, and people are celebrating this on our streets and streets around the world, um, the slaughter of men, women, and children being raped, tortured, burned alive, beheaded, children being beheaded, and they're celebrating, Mike. That's lost. That's evil. Call yep. it what it is. Yep. I wrote the letter. The Senate minority posted it on our website and around, and, and you ain't seen nothing from the Senate majority. Um, you haven't seen anything from the House minority. Um, and I've seen nothing, uh, although I believe the house majorities actually put some stuff out uh, individually or maybe even as a whole now. So, um, Mike, you either stand with Israel on this as you should stand with any country that gets attacked like this, like people stood with us on nine 11. Right. I put in that a quote from, uh, Mark Alexander of the Patriot post who talked about, well, people have said this is Israel's nine 11, but on the day this happened when it was about 900 Israelis, that equivalent number would have been 27,000 Americans dead on 9-11. Can you imagine if we lost almost 30,000 people on that day? We entered yeah. World War II and the global war on terror with less than 3,000 deaths. Yeah. And so, you know, and it's much more yeah. than that from a, a numbers perspective now. It's more like 50,000 Israelis equivalent to the population of America. We, we wouldn't stand for that. We right. would have gone, you know, uh, ballistic. At well, that. But here's my point, Mike. Evil is evil. 
I stand with Israel. I hope other people do. Hamas is a terrorist organization. Call them what they are. They're, they're thugs. They're barbarians. They're supported by Iran. We cannot run from this. Yeah. Pick a side folks yeah pick a side well and i could say you could still you can you can uh criticize and condemn the actions of hamas uh and support and stand with israel even if you disagree with some of israel's policies that i mean that's not that's not a misnomer there you could say some of the things that israel's done have been wrong or have may have led to some of these tensions but the bottom line is you don't go and kill women and children and kidnap people and behead people because of somebody's policies are making you mad that's not that non-combatant. Yeah, Mike. it is exactly. And it is evil. So you could still disagree with Israel's policies while you stand with them if that's what you need to do. But I said it the day after it is pure evil. You cannot understand evil. It is nothing but pure, flat out pure evil. And anybody that stands up to say, well, they deserve it or this is their fault or hooray for them, as we've seen some of the academics say, it's that's evil as well. They just they 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 are so clouded and deluded by their own judge that they can't even see evil for what it is. Mike Shower, uh, thank you so much, my friend, for coming on board. I appreciate you being part of it today. Thanks for joining us on the show. Of course. All right, hold the line, folks. We are out of time. Tomorrow's another day. Uh, enjoy it. Enjoy it today. Again, it, no snow for now. Anyway, keep doing that anti-snow dance for me. I appreciate it. Thanks, folks. We'll see you tomorrow. Sorry, Mike, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just get so irritated where people are like, well, but Israel's wrong. To well, sure, Israel's done some things that I think have exacerbated yeah. the situation. I don't agree with all their policies. Absolutely. But the bottom line is you don't go and behead people because you disagree with their policies. You don't attack civilians. If you attacked a legitimate military target, okay, maybe I could see. But this is just pure, pure evil. I couldn't agree more with you. So I'll just let you have the well, floor there for the last I, I, minute here. No, Mike, I don't mind you cutting me off. I get it. And look, I mean, how critical have been of our own government? It's very easy to be critical of governments. They, they do bad stuff. They make mistakes. They're big and powerful entities. Hamas is essentially a government now, elected into power there, right? And and supported um, by Iran, Iran, really the bad actor in all of the Middle East. That's, they're the ones spreading the, the real poison. So my point is, yes, you can not be happy with everything Israel does or any other big government, including our own, but it never justifies what we saw. The, the height of human depravity and evil was displayed by Hamas with what they did. Like you said, had they attacked just military bases or checkpoints or something, I could go, okay, so they're, they're basically in a declared war. I got it. You can kind of sort of accept that. Those are military folks, legitimate targets in, this, in that sense. But that's not what they did, Mike. They went after civilians. They slaughtered civilians, including children, babies. That's evil, Mike. It's not accepted in warfare. If we did it, the world would have lost its mind. Or anybody else. But boy, if Hamas does it, oh, yay for them. You know, we got to... It's Mike, there are some very disturbed people in this world, and some of them are very smart, and yet they are so on the wrong side of history and humanity in this, it is really hard to put it into words how bad and twisted and upside down this really is. The response from so many people, including the United Nations, they can't even issue the word Israel. I watched one of them from Pakistan, one of their, their ambassador, and he, he said, you know, oh, this is a terrible thing that happened, you know, in the in the west bank and in other areas <laughs> he couldn't even say inside of israel i mean right. it's sick mike 
it is a sickness. So, yeah. hey, bottom line, end of the day, I stand with Israel in this one. Yeah. And the Israeli people. I, th I thought it was interesting to see some of these uh, universities. Um, uh, some One of the big universities said nothing, and one of their big, big donors, uh, multi-billionaire out of uh, Utah, basically sent a letter that said, I've been supporting this university. I'm an alumni. My father, my brothers, all of our family, we've given you know tons of money. and every But because you've said nothing, because you've allowed all this rhetoric on campus that's all this pro-Palestine is fantastic, Hamas is our heroes kind of rhetoric, we're closing our checkbook to you. And then two days later, the university president comes out and says, oh, no, no, we condemn this in the strongest terms. We should get, I mean, you hit them where they live, yeah. hit them where they live, and maybe they'll start to see how this stuff works. But it's Amen. it's amazing to see the this, the how some people can justify this in their own mind. I mean, it basically undercuts every argument that they've ever made when they justify this. And they're, they're basically doing themselves and their arguments and their causes more damage by supporting it. That's all I could say. Yep. It's a, uh, it's a twisted world in that sense, Mike is what it is. But like I said, I stand with Israel. I'm looking at him going, go get them boys. Um, go, go wipe out Hamas. Get rid of those guys and uh, do what you got to do to to guarantee your own safety and security. And I support them fully. Yeah, we'll see where it goes. There, there's danger here because Iran's getting involved. We're starting to move that direction. There's there's danger of this spreading. So we'll keep our fingers crossed and hope that's not where it goes. But we're gonna watch this one closely, Mike. Because this, by the way, we didn't talk about this, but this affects us. This yeah. affects the price of oil, the flow of things in the Middle East, and this is gonna affect us too. So. We are far too interconnected to think, oh, it's way over there. It does not affect us. No, it does. And it may affect us much more greatly depending yeah. on how this plays out. So just, you know, as always, keep your eyes open. Watch and listen. You got to do what you got to do. All right. Well, thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. All right, folks. That's it for today. We're out of time. Uh, Mike, thanks. Enjoy yourself. Thank you for coming on. I know, again, you're tired. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for being no part worries, of it. Brother. We'll see you next time. All Cheers. Right. You bet. Folks, we are out of time. We got to go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. We'll see you tomorrow. shed our terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people it's the michael duke show